Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthcare Whisperer Radio Show. I'm Hari Kulsa, and I am your host. I'm a nurse practitioner, patient advocate, and president of Healthcare Whisperer. And Healthcare Whisperer is a patient advocacy and healthcare advocacy company. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at H-A-R-I-K-1-0-8. You can go over to Facebook and find me at Hari Kulsa or at my uh, webpage of Healthcare Whisperer. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, this show is about providing tips on how to successfully get through the system. I always find the best way, and I deal with a lot of different issues all day long in my work, but the best way is to hear how other people have gotten through the system. As you know, it can be so overwhelming, difficult, and frustrating to try to get what you need and get it done in a timely way in the healthcare system. So this show is about giving you some tips. Uh, if you uh, if you want your friends to hear, you can go to Blog Talk Radio after, and you can listen to it and download it. I also want everyone uh, to know that I am doing a a day-long conference in Austin, Texas, one of those great Texas towns, on October 19th from 8.30 to 3, uh, and it's called Patient Advocate, Being a Voice for Patients to Provide Healthcare Solutions. Uh, this conference is about why advocates are so needed in this changing healthcare la- landscape. All the fees uh, f- from the conference are being donated to URR Hope, which is a not-for-profit that helps people of, of all ages, uh, but a lot with pediatrics, uh, help them navigate the uh, area of rare and undiagnosed illnesses. For more information on or to register, go to urrhope.org and go to their event page. Now, just before I start our show, because our show is going to be really fun today, we're going to talk about all things Obamacare. And, yeah, actually, I have to say, I'm not someone who uses that word Obamacare. I think this is the first time I've had to make myself say it. But that's people don't recognize so much the Affordable Care Act, and that's the actual name. But uh, before I get into that and my guests, I have to say that in the last many weeks, and I've, I've been a patient advocate for now for six years, I've seen a lot, but it seems like in the last couple weeks it's become more and more clear how important a patient advocate is uh, for people. I, I mean, I'm so astounded some days when people go to the doctor and they're not listened to, uh, doctors just poo-poo some of their uh, symptoms because it doesn't fit into the box. Uh, they, you know, patients get very frustrated. They can't get their medical records, and it just seems to be coming. I mean, I'm amazed that it's just becoming more and more a problem. I don't know if it's just that that's what the that that's what's happening to the healthcare system because there's a lot of pressure from all sides. But I just think you need everybody, as I'm telling people, when you go to, you know, patient advocate, don't leave home without one because they're a voice that can really help you. Anyway, that was a little bit of an editorial, which I don't usually do, but the frustration that I saw on one of my clients' face today was so heartbreaking to me because it was like we we were talking and there some so the person on the other side of the desk just didn't seem to be listening so anyway patient advocates are vital to help you get that information across and get what you need but anyway onward and upward to today's show which is going to be very very exciting today's show is about all things you want to know about obamacare and since the exchanges came online on october 1st it's really the beginning it's the real picture and today and um I have Mary Elizabeth Parker on, who's been on before, but last week she gave me a holler on the phone and she said, Hari, Hari, you must know what's going on with Obamacare. Can, and my clients, they're calling me, they're asking me, I don't know, could, do you think you could do a show? 
about this, so here we are, me and Mary Elizabeth Parker, who is the most wonderful, wonderful physical therapist, PhD physical therapist, and she has absolutely dedicated her life to helping people with rare and undiagnosed, especially children, that's her specialty, rare uh, and undiagnosed illness. She is a genius in really working the system. Talk about an advocate. This woman is advocate supreme. Uh, she's the co-founder of You Are Our Hope, which is a, again a wonderfully uh, a wonderful organi- organization dedicated to helping those searching for the answer to, for their children or their loved one, whether of any age. Uh, what is this illness that has has struck my 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 family member? So we're going to talk because she's got lots of stories and we've got lots of stuff to talk about. And I just want to tell everybody uh, the number to call in on is 805-830-8363. And I want you to call in and ask us questions if you're listening. I hope every – I mean, I, I, I like to think everybody's listening. But anyway, let's bring on Mary Elizabeth and get this show started. Hello. I'm here. Okay. Did you hear my intro by any chance? Absolutely, I did. Yes, thank uh, you so much for having me on again, and we are just so thrilled you are coming back to Austin next week, so we're looking forward to it. Oh, good, good, good. And you know why I'm looking forward to it is because it's a little bit warmer there than it is here right now, so I'm thinking, yeah. yay, 80-degree weather, I can live with that. Yes, but the mornings are lovely and cool, so uh, hopefully you'll enjoy a little bit of fall and a little bit of old touch of summer. Okay, and and as she told me when we were setting up this conference, there's no football game that, that this week that weekend, so we're good. Yes. We won't get stuck in traffic. Yeah, yeah we had to schedule around uh, University of Texas football schedule. <laughs> Well, doesn't all the every town schedule their their events around yes, football games? Yes. Yeah, Austin <laughs> in particular. Not only did we have to schedule around the UT football schedule, but we also had to work around um, the ACL Music Conference that has been here last weekend and this weekend, and which we are thrilled to have. But you don't want to do something the same weekend in Austin. Okay, then, but. I mean, there might be traffic getting to our conference, of course, right? I mean, Absolutely. really. Absolutely, people are going to be knocking down the doors. That's right. That's right. We can only hope. We can only hope. Um, so anyway, Mary Elizabeth, I know you know you've been on before, but really quickly, short and sweet, give a little recap about like you know what you do, just just to get this party started. Absolutely. I am the medical liaison for You Are Our Hope. The U stands for undiagnosed and the R for rare. And we grew out of kind of a passion, love, frustration, whatever you want to call it, um, for families who were kind of trapped in a medical system and and really needed some help navigating it. And so two mothers of children who had unfortunately passed away from undiagnosed disorders and myself founded You Are Hope. And in the last two years, I would say we've seen so much more of the need. And we are just thrilled to be growing. And uh, I'll just, if, if people are listening and they need to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook at You Are Our Hope um, or our webpage, www.youareourhope.org. And we would love to help anybody who, who needs our help. We, we're very passionate. We're all volunteers. We do not get paid for what we do. And we really do not want another family to go through what these two families that I joined up with went through during their diagnostic journey. Wow, that's great. And I you know, I realized I forgot to mention something in my uh, intro that I want to mention that you were very instrumental in having happen is that there's two people, uh Mick and Helen, that's correct, who are here yes. who who um run a foundation at front in Sweden. Is that correct? Uh correct. Yes, the foundation is based in Sweden. Mhm. Right, right, and they happen to be in America, in the U.S. at a, a, a conference of rare diseases uh, in Bethesda, and they've agreed to be on later in the show. So I just want—I forgot to mention that, and I want to thank you for organizing that because not are they just going to give us a little insight into that, but we're going to talk about how their system works with some of the, you know, how their healthcare system works, and you know how they see ours. So anyway, 
just wanted to get that out there. So tell us, so when you called me, you uh, last week, I, I could, or right after October 1st, you, there was this panic in your voice, <laughs> asking me, you know, your fam- you said your families were talking to you about, uh, you know, the new health care law. So, like, what kind of things were you hearing? What were some of the things that was coming that people were asking you? Well, yeah, and and I appreciate you giving us this forum. You know, I myself am not the most politically savvy person. I'm a little busy doing my medical stuff. But, um, and your hope is not affiliated in any way with any political organization. So when all of the politics kind of came down around, you know, the healthcare marketplace, and unfortunately, and we can speak to this a little bit more, with the some government shutdowns, I mean, I know people like to call it a global government shutdown, but with some shutdowns, I think everybody's panic level went up a little bit. Do you agree, those things coinciding? Uh, yeah, especially when people get special services. I mean, you're in a very unique group. You see that a lot. You work with the disabled, especially pediatrics, and a lot of services. People get a lot of services from the state uh, for uh, pediatric disabilities. So I think they were impacted very much. Right. So I guess, you know, and I need to go back in history a little bit. I um, I am based in Austin, Texas, and about two and a half years ago, Um, we had drastic changes in our Medicaid waiver program, which was taking care of a lot of these complex patients. So that we already had that on board, and people were nervous, and and people are still nervous when they come up for reevaluation that they're going to lose service. So then we had this information that this marketplace was coming, or Obamacare, or the affordable, whatever you want to call it. It has so many names. But, But people just started to be curious and worried because they weren't sure, especially if they were privately funded, how things were going to change. Mm-hmm. What happened in that first week with the government shutdowns, as I affectionately call them since everything didn't shut down, is that I was getting interesting emails and, and messages on Facebook. And one of the ones that concerned me the most, now I, because I work for a university, you know, I'm a state employee, so I'm kind of sheltered by from a lot of this. But I was getting a lot of uh, messages about people who were with smaller private organizations who were getting notices that their premiums were changing, and not for the better, but, you know, increasing. And and they were concerned about that. And then there seemed to be a little bit of a reaction about the marketplace from employers saying, okay, if you buy into this thing, you know, we're not necessarily going to help you out. And, again, that was a lot more hearsay. Um, but, but again, I think that's when people don't know and people are uncertain, there's a lot of rumor mills starting, and I, I did not want to partake in that, and that's one reason I wanted Hari to have you on, is that for people to understand what it really, really means. And then the last thing, and then I'll let you go on, because we, we want you to tell us what you know, is that for our families in particular, until this thing goes into place, we are very uncertain about the future of funding for genetic testing. Mm-hmm. What will happen for funding for durable medical equipment, which is very expensive? And what will happen, as a physical therapist, I'm concerned about funding for therapies. So I think that um, we still don't know, even though people can enroll, we don't know what the absolute answer is going to be in the end. And I think that is just frightening for people. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, those are some power-packed questions. Well, you okay. know, I, if I'm going to ask you to come on, I'm going to get all I can get out of it. Yeah, you're going to you're going to you're going to you're going to make me suffer through this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, you know, actually, in a way, you've hit upon a lot of uh, issues that have come up. Um, that, and I'm going to separate it because the premiums that that's a whole. If if they're raising premiums. It's a very simple thing. If they're raising premiums, they're doing it because they can. It might be that time of year when they raise their premiums anyway. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I find where my I, I get my insurance through my um, husband's work, and okay. every year we ha- we our, our premiums are raised. Uh, you know, it just it's the nature of the beast. So I don't know that I, I actually went on and looked. I, I'm always looking at this uh, site called Fact Checker, 
because that's okay. been a very big rumor that that the new health care law is going to raise premiums. Now the okay. answer the answer to that is twofold. It really depends. In some states on the exchange, we're seeing dramatic drops in premiums. In some states, oh, that's wonderful news. Is, is Texas yeah. one of them? Uh, Texas, because it's on the federal one, uh, mm-hmm. we don't have. Uh, I, I, it's, it, it's not going higher as far as I can tell. Okay. It, it's, it's. Um, That's okay. No, Keep on your direct. Yeah, you, you were going. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, 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 I. What has happened in Texas is that. Unfortunately, there's been quite a bit of of resistance to the law, as you know. So yes. in Texas, they're they're still, I think, because Texas, you have to go on to the federal exchange, and it totally the federal exchange, as we know, has been um, difficult to get on. That they were still working out the bugs to it. But uh, in terms of the, some of the some of the states were finding that some of the premiums, depending upon the individual, are for some people. Yes, there is a problem with that, but it's not across the board. It doesn't mean that every place you're looking at it's high. It's it's higher, and some people are going in and thinking, well, maybe I should go off my uh, husband's, or I'm paying individually now, not from an exchange, but prior to the exchange, because you, you don't have to do the exchange. I mean, if you have insurance, you can keep it, and that's one of the big myths, is that you have to go on the exchange, that you have to do that. But if you have insurance, that's okay. It's about that you have to have insurance. But what right. people are... You know, my employer was, and again, I'm a state employee, you know, said, hey, I mean, this is rolling out, but you're insured, but we just need to tell you that you have the option to do whatever you want to do. And I, again, I was just a little bit concerned, and, and I mentioned that these people who have messaged me are in the private sector, and, you know, most insurances turn either fiscal year or academic year, you know, depending on kind of where, it, I, I, I change September 1st, some people start January 1st. But when people were getting these notices about the time, which was October 1st, that just made me concerned that, you know, and again, I don't think there's any malfeasance. I just, I, I, I wonder if people, especially small employers, were panicking and wondering how it was going to affect them so they upped people's premiums. And I, I don't know. I certainly do not want to spread any rumors. I just was curious as to what other people, and I hope some people call in because, again, because I'm not, um, you know, I'm with a large state employer, not a, a smaller one, you know, I would really like to know what's going on here locally, you know, from people who would like to talk about it. Right. And there, the, the, the health care law, um, what, what is happening is that some um, businesses that have part-time workers are sending their part-time workers to the exchange to get insurance. Okay. And that's something that they can do. So there, there is that movement going on, but it's not across the board. I know that Trader Joe's has done that with their part-time employees, and okay. there are some other. It's, it's actually affecting some schools that have part-time athletic people. Okay. Even though they actually work more than thirty hours, but they only get paid for a certain amount of thir- certain mm-hmm. amount of time, they're being told to go to the exchanges that it's not going to be part of the one of their benefits. And uh, some of them didn't have it as a benefit anyway, but they're being told that they have to go to the exchanges for that. So that's okay. an individual decision by the different, different um, uh, companies. And there is, um, you know, I, I look at Massachusetts and where we've had this mandatory health care insurance for seven years, I think it's almost seven years now, and uh, there are a lot of exemptions for there are exemptions for small business. Um, what a lot of times small but very small businesses, a lot of the people uh, will go with a spouse's insurance. But as a small business, you have to offer you have to be able to offer your your um, 
employees, and I think it's 20 hours or more here. Uh, and now it's been it, it's changed because of the federal health, federal health care law at 30 um, that we you know that you have to offer insurance. So it does raise the cost for some small business, and that has been a major concern. But that's actually okay. been put, so some of that law has been um, put off for another year for businesses. So um, so that's. Um, the, you know, so so that's what happened with businesses. It's a very the other issue that people don't understand when it comes to the financing of the businesses of 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 the of the, of the cost is that there are these subsidies and it's based on uh, your income and anything uh, basically 47 and change below there there can be subsidies for you and your family. Okay. Uh, Forty-seven thousand, and so, but there, the, it, you know, the data isn't out about how it's working. It that's the problem. The the real time. This is what we've all been told that the right, right. are going to help people. Where the nervousness is. Right, but you have what you have to do is, you know, basically what most of the people that I've talked to so far, and and what I've been reading. There are some people that it didn't pay for them to go through the exchange. It paid for them to stay with their employer or it paid for them to go individually to the insurance company. However, for some, it's worked very well, especially lower-income lower people. So um, I think what you have to do, my best advice is to go on the exchange and to put the information up and, and in and see what, see what happens. And see what kind of subsidies you get because you because it's hard to know it's so individual depending upon the um, depending upon the subs depending upon your income. Yes, absolutely. And can I just you know this is a uh, national and now international uh, talk, but I wanted to say that there's some really good resources in Texas and. Just you know, check with the United Way. AustinTexas.gov has got some good information, and you can always call 211 and press for option one and get resources to help you um, navigate the marketplace. And I think that that's what people need to do. I think doing it on your own can sometimes be daunting. And I hope that every state has that, like Texas. That, you know, people who nonprofits who are willing to come in and, and help people navigate this because I know it's really frustrating. I know a lot of parents, and this was not just here, but we're trying to get on and like, oh, I've got to do this, you know, log on, and then I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And just having somebody to sit by your side and kind of work, walk you through it is, is helpful. So I hope that people will, will check it out, especially if they are underinsured. And so many of our families are, and they're really struggling because, again, we've had some really significant cutbacks here. And I can speak to Texas. Um, with Medicaid, and, you know, we have Medicaid buy-in programs, we have other things, but sometimes, you know, looking at what, feeling like you have options, it's like going to the grocery store and being able to choose what you want being, versus it being forced on you gives you a lot more freedom, and I hope that that's what these families are going to feel like once this thing actually, you know, they get registered, and, and then they start being able to activate it, and that's what I'm hopeful well, here's the thing: the federal government, in the laws, there's there's navigators. They there are organizations. Every state has navigators, mm -hmm. and so that's why you should call the United Way and all those numbers that you gave, because mm -hmm. um, and the community, many of the community health centers also have Absolutely. navigators. Absolutely, yes. One of our people's clinic here is also doing it. Right, and so those people will help you. I mean, even those people helping at the beginning was. Uh, Oh, they couldn't even get on. So, but as it eases up, it's like the first day. It was like everybody thought, "Oh, if I don't get it on the first day, I'm not going to get it. It's going to run out." Well, that's not how it works. There's there's okay. enough to go around. It's not there's not like there's limited amounts. Everybody has to have insurance, and the insurance companies have to provide it. So there, it isn't like if you and you have till um, you have till February 14th to be able to start March 1st to sign up. So you have all this time. And it doesn't mean that if you, you know, if you go on in February, there's not going to be anything left. No, that's not, it's not like, you know, buying at a store. You right, know, that's right. not how it is. So there's always going to be, and there's enough insurance out there. You know, it's it's there. It's a product, and and it and it's going to be available to everyone. And that's one of the myths, and that's one of the fears, is that there's not going to be enough. 
And I think one of the other one of the other fears that I hear from your from your families is um you you asked about, you know, funding therapists, funding medical equipment. Again, one of the things that is one of the greatest myths about this is that there's not going to be anything these these policies are, don't have anything. The policy, insurance policies have been changing for a really really long time. And what you have to do is look at what the policy is going to provide you. And I have heard nothing at all. There is no indication that there's not going to be therapy available. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is make sure that you look at how many visits you're going to get. You know, if you're Correct. if that policy is only going to provide you with six visits, that's not what you want. You have to go find mm-hmm. another one. But most of them provide you with much more. You know, those kind of things are going to be are not going away. That what mm-hmm. is what what is changing that I see is that the insurance companies, which they started a long time ago, are getting very crafty at charging high deductibles. Ridiculously right, high deductibles and ridiculously high coinsurance. And this is yes. the part that's very scary to me. And I've, this is not because of the Affordable Care Act. This has been going on for a very oh, long absolutely. time. This is not new news. Right. This is not, and that should not, and that's the decisions that you get to make. You know, that's the decision that people get to make. How much do I want to pay? How much do I want for my deductible? You know, and what some people have said, well, the only a policy I could afford was a high deductible, and they they didn't want to do that trade off. So, um, they you know they 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 looked they they looked off the exchange because you can still. Here's the other thing. If you don't like what's on the exchange, you can go to the insurance company on their website and see if there's something that is as good that you maybe you can afford. I do that with lots of my clients now in Massachusetts because some, you know they might have a different policy. You know, so right, right. So this is the kind of thing that people the misconceptions that people have, you know, in and and and. and Part of it is is that we, many of us, have been given only the options from our employee employer, so we're not used to really thinking about these policies. This is what you're. This is what we're giving you, right? This is what it is. <laughs> you know, so so we don't think now we're given options. You know, you can go through it. And most every every exchange has what they call. Uh, bronze, silver, gold, and some of them have platinum. And platinum, you know, each one has uh, offers more on it. For sometimes they're higher cost. You just have to look at it. You know, some of them are PPOs, some of them are HMOs, some of them have low deductibles. It just takes time, and that's what's really hard. That's new for people. You know, absolutely. And I think the other caveat, and I don't think you or I, I don't think anybody can answer this at the time, is that. In many states, we have families who, you know, they're they're not super wealthy, but they, you know, they have private insurance because they work, and then they have, you know, a Medicaid waiver program. And I think I'm, I, and I don't want to speak for them, but I think we're all a little nervous that these families who work to get insurance, but, you know, would prefer to stay home with their kid, but they they do that so they can get coverage. And then have a Medicaid waiver program, you know, as the the subsidy for all the stuff that insurance doesn't pay. I guess we're a little frightened of how this is all going to play out for for these children that and these families who, mm-hmm. you know, they don't stay at home and live on SSI. They they go to work, and I'm not saying that families do that by purpose, but you know, they have good income, so they say, okay, we're going to work, but we also need help because you know our children's medical needs are, you know, extraordinary. So, and again, I'm not sure we can answer this now, but I think we need to address that there is there is some concern that how how will this all play out? Will the families who've been paying into their own private insurance, not going out to the marketplace, but doing this and having a Medicaid subsidy, will this go away? That's a really good question, and I think the real question is if I go, if I drop, the question that I'm hearing is if I drop my private insurance and go to the exchange, will I lose my Medicaid waiver? Yes, or if if we keep going the way we are and once the program goes into effect, will I get kicked out 
you know, I, uh, not of their private insurance, but of, you know, the Medicaid. And, and again, I don't think we know that yet, do we? Well, well, here's the thing. It, you, the private insurance, when you go onto the exchange, it's, you, it's still private insurance. Right, right. But no, if they don't change, if they don't go into the exchange. They stay, they they stay the course. They do what they're doing, and then this goes into effect. Which you said that the the actual date is March first, correct? Yeah. Well, no, no. So I, I I hear the confusion. The confusion is, the confusion is, that that they that if they keep their insurance, their private insurance, and they don't go on the exchange, then they lose the waiver. I mean, right. the, the, there's no difference here between the exchange and private insurance. There's no difference. The question yeah. is, the question is, will Texas take away the waiver? That's Correct. a political question. That doesn't yes. have to do with the Affordable Care Act at this point. Right. Right. So that's, I think that's, that's, people are that's, nervous about that. Well, and that's not a, a question. But what I'm trying to say is that. If the fear is is if they go on the exchange and get a better deal, mm-hmm. will it impact them currently if there's no change in the waiver? No. Right. Okay. You see what I'm saying? The the yes. exchange and private insurance and the exchange are the same. It's just we're okay. calling it. It's still private insurance because you're paying for it. The government. Yeah, and I think that's what pay. people need to hear. And then we're just going to have to see what happens March first. Right, but that's, again, that's a, any 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 changes in Medicaid, any changes in in the criteria for Medicaid will be based will be based uh, by the will be will be driven by the state. If if Perry and the legis well, the legislature is not in next year, but the following year, if they decide that they want to take away all waivers. You know, because Medicaid money comes from the feds, but they monitor it. Then, I mean, the feds put some some holds on it, but 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 the state is who regulates it. They're the ones right, who make the right. final criteria. So it's really politically that's a politically driven issue. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? And then I think that's why there's the fear. You know, again, because we're kind of coming on the you know the cusp of this two and a half years ago a lot of Medicaid changes. I think once we hear change and then the government issues, it, it was just too much for a lot of people. And, well, no, I understand. You know, yeah, it's understand yeah. because there was no education done. I mean, that particularly Texas tried everything to do to make it not a a, a good thing. They made it every okay. they, they put fear in everybody's heart that this yes. is the end of healthcare as we you know as we know it, and that everyone would lose all their services, their doctors, and that's just not simply not true. There's no there's right. no truth. I mean, you know, it's not true. <laughs> that's all I can say. Right, um, right. and it, it's just hard. And, and remember, I'm not home with that sick child, but there are people who are sitting home and their child's on a ventilator, and you know they've got to go in for diagnostics next week, and they wonder. You know, when is the bottom going to fall out? And we as our group, and I can speak for your hope here a little bit, is that, you know, we are trying to expand into a way where when the bottom falls out and those tests can't get run and whatever, that we're there to be able to afford to pay for them. And so I guess, you know, personally and for our group, I I would like to envision what's going to happen the month of March, you know, and what our families well, are Well, there going isn't to going to be any May. I mean, there isn't. March is only the time when, I mean, March is only the time when you can you, you can get your insurance. It's not like okay. everything's going to change, March. It's not like the world, you know, everything's going to change. It's like when we have open enrollment. We have what we call open enrollment here. Uh, and I have Excuse Right, and we have open enrollment with Medicare. It just means that after that date, you have to wait another year to get insurance. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's all that date means. There isn't right. anything that's going to change, except you're going to have people are going to have insurance. And what's going to change is that doctors are going to. It's going to be harder to get people into. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be other issues that we saw in Massachusetts, but it's not going to be like all of a sudden. Things are, you know, they're going to say, okay, none of this, none of this, none of this. What is okay, good I think, for- and I think that's, again, what people are fearful of is that yeah. when, you know, it, it, when, you know, the clock strikes, you know, the time, and, and again, we're a little gun-shy here. 
so I think for our families, and, and you know, we deal with families all over the place, but genetic testing, for example, is, is a big issue for us. And having, um, you know, we, we're still fighting insurance companies for it. It's just crazy. I just saw a post today where they said a microarray is experimental, and I went, are you kidding me? Microarray is, is, is now a standard genetic testing, but the insurance denied it. So I guess, and again, I do not want to breed any more fear or concern than that is out there, but I just want people to know that things are going to stay somewhat status quo. I know there's going to be some change, but I, I, I'm concerned about mass panic. Well, you don't have to mass panic because let me tell you, the insurance companies are still going to deny things. It's just the nature of the beast, you know. Oh, and, right, and, right. And, and I want to tell you that. And you write more appeal letters than we ever probably right, ever. Right, Well, let me, I think we have a caller here. I think we have uh, Mick and Helen, hey. so let me bring them okay, on. Great. I'm hoping. Let's see if I can. Uh, hello, is this uh, Mick and Helen? Yes. Hi, or this actually, is actually only welcome. Mick. Oh well, great! I'm so uh, glad that you could call in. Um, I'm here with I'm Hari, and this is uh, Mary Elizabeth is here with us, and I'm so in. glad that you could call Hello. in. Yeah, I had some problems hearing the show from the beginning, but I, I think oh. I got most of it. Oh, is okay. Helen with us or not? She's not with us. No, Helen's not. She's not well tonight, so so oh, it's no. only okay. me. I'm sorry. Well, but Mick, we're, we're so glad, and you know we've emailed, so I'm just so thrilled to hear your voice. Yeah, thank you. So welcome. Uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, come on. We were just—I think you heard part of it. It's such a an incredible time in this country with all the new healthcare law coming into effect, and we yeah. were just talking about how, it, as you heard, how it was impacting. Um, uh, some of you know the fears that people have because there's so many myths about the law. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Yeah, we, we we heard a lot about it here on the conference, uh, and 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 it's a totally new area for us. We, I mean, we, we we read about it and heard about it, but we we don't understand the the, the system you had before, and, and now you have a dramatic change. So we understand it's you know it's uncertain for everybody what it's going to mean. Right, and let's say we don't know how hardly understand it either, and we live here. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, I understand, and there's been a lot of speakers that 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 are really well informed, and and it seems they don't even have the grip, hundred percent. So I understand it's a, it's a new thing that's going to develop for probably years, I guess. Right, right. I mean, the one good thing I live in one state in in the United States, Massachusetts, that. We have mandatory health care for so six years now, and so okay. I've got to see how it worked. You know, everybody had to have insurance. It's been pretty good, you know, and yeah. it's been pretty flawless. So, and but what's it like? So, tell me what it, what what's the conference that you are? I think I mentioned it slightly at the beginning, but if you could give us an idea of what you do and you know what your work is and why you're here at, at this conference. Yeah, sure. Uh, we, we have a foundation called Wilhelm Foundation, and we're working for children with undiagnosed brain diseases. And uh, we we were at the conference in Amsterdam, invited by DIA uh, in March this year, and then we thought we'd follow up because now the DIA, in collaboration with Nord, had this conference on rare diseases and orphan drugs in Bethesda. And we thought... That that's just the forum we want to be in, and so so, so we went here to listen uh, and to connect some more to people, and especially to broaden ourselves to be more global. And so, so the um, were you presenting at the conference? No, not this one. It's it's it, it was a, Helene has applied for for presentations to the big ones, but not not for the small ones because it was. It's more like, you know, big speakers, and it was supposed to be FDA, which wasn't here because of the shutdown. Oh, oh FDA did not come. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, they they had some retired guy from FDA that could come and speak, and, and, and people knowing about the FDAs, but the FDA people themselves couldn't come. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And mainly it was because they couldn't travel. 
Right, right, because they, right. they couldn't be funded. Um, do you mind, and I, I know as much as you feel comfortable, telling us a little bit about how you got started because of your children? Yeah, sure. Uh, the thing is that we, we, our eldest son, Wilhelm, who we named the foundation after, he he, he was pretty healthy from the beginning, and he had he had some difficulties, but not not that bad. Uh, and later on, actually at the age of twelve, we discovered he got dimension, no, dementia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. And then things started to going the wrong way, and we realized this is not good. So we started to look all over the world to find good doctors, and we went to John Hopkins, and we went to London, Great Ormond Street, and we went to Austria, and different places to, you know, to get the diagnosis, and nobody could give us really anything. And wow. then then we had two siblings that got the same disease, and the smaller problems, they were a little sicker than we was from the beginning, and, and so we, you know, accelerated our search for diagnosis as long as we could but then eventually Wilhelm got so bad that only the small children got to travel and we kept him home at our house and cared for him there and then it was a time about a year when when he totally deteriorated and, and eventually died and and he was 16 years old by then and after that we we saw that our little girl, who was only five at the time, started on the exact same path, and, and she died six years old, only two years later. Oh. oh and, wow. uh, yeah, that was... Uh, and then we got two more years with with with, with Hugo, who, who then was nine uh, and became ten. Mm-hmm. But they all went the same path, and, and, and no matter, actually, where we went and what results we got from all different tests... We, because all the tests almost almost always came out clean. There was nothing to go on. And we hear that we hear that so much from our families that we are so tired of hearing that these tests are quote normal when our child is very very sick and or in an active dying process. Which it sounds like you were hearing with all three of your children. Yeah, exactly. And that's so and frustrating. Think, yeah, it was. And, and and actually, the only thing that that probably got us a little further than, than, than we would otherwise was that we had three children because that gave okay. us some some backing that, that they had to do something more than they, you know, they had to put some extra, extra effort into it. But but still, it didn't get us anywhere. So so that's why we decided when we lost our three children that we, we have to keep fighting for children in this situation, especially the undiagnosed brain disease, this area. Absolutely. And one of the most poignant emails I got from your wife, and I'm sure you were on it too, but she signed it, but um, I said, you know, what can we do, you know, to get a diagnosis for your children? And she said that y'all had really put that, you had peace with that and that you all really wanted to spend your energy helping other families find a diagnosis, which I thought was one of the most selfless acts that I can even imagine, um, you know, again, I don't have children, but I'm on this journey with so many families, and that was just an amazing thing to me, and I just applaud your efforts, and when y'all said you wanted to partner with us, I couldn't have been any more excited, because we can't. We have to do this in collaboration. Not one group can do this, and, you know, we don't have political agendas, and we don't have financial agendas. We are just trying to get people diagnosed and getting them to the best people, and I am really sorry to hear that some of your some of the curriculum that was set up at that conference was, you know, segued by this government shutdown, which is absolutely ridiculous in my mind. But I hope still your visit in the states has been good. Oh, it's been excellent. I think it's maybe even better because I think that they had to do something more here too. Because oh, okay. people were coming here expecting FDA to speak, and you know they they rallied up new speakers, and they well they they went that extra extra mile to 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 make it even better with the things they had. So I, I think it was good, and we've been lucky to to connect to to some really good people. So well, that's what so I'm sorry. Can I ask um, more questions? 
Do you mind? You can ask as you can go. You can ask as many questions. I just have one more question. In Sweden, when you have an undiagnosed child, what is like the course of action? I guess because I know what it's like in the states. What when when Wilhelm first got sick? What how? What what was the progress? I mean, not the progression of his disorder, but how does the the process work in Sweden? Yeah, actually, that that was that was no. I think the toughest part because. Then we didn't know what we, we were dealing with, and none none of the doctors knew that this was serious. So so many times they they sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, you know, this will pass, or we don't know what it is, but it's probably not dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then when we had the small siblings, it's just then they started to realize this is probably more serious. But even then, there was almost none of the professions that thought. That the children would die. Okay, so I mean, that's, okay. actually, it was for, for ahead, later on. Yeah, no, it's okay. It actually was later on during examination of, of one of, 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 I think it was Emma, when 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 they realized that that Wilhelm was starting to to develop dementia, and that they realized that this this is probably a deadly disease. Okay. So did. So, so I, I would say to to answer your question that they're 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 starting to build rare disease centers in Sweden, but it's really just starting, and they cannot even unite themselves to make it one center. It's going to be you know a couple of spread centers that are supposed to work together, and and I I don't think I don't think that there's a special path for for this kind of disease. It's, it's much more that. And that's why we're trying to raise that awareness and, and help people on the right track to, to to go that distance to find the right doctor. Because in Sweden, it's it's very easy to go to your closest hospital since the government pays all the hospitals. And you okay. go there, you go there, and and you sort of get stuck because your doctor says, well, they treat you and they do what they can, but then they they don't send you on to another doctor because they don't want to say we don't know what it is. Oh. So you got stuck in that. So yep. do you? Wow. So, but do you, it, it, you do you have specialists there, or they're all in the hospital and they just come and talk to you there? No, no, we have a lot of specialists. The the, the problem is that that since it's government founded, you you actually belong to the hospital where you live. It's it's getting much better now because they're opening up the the, the borders to. I don't know what you would call it, different communities in Sweden, so that you mm-hmm. could go to another one. But that's that's on paper, and that's not reality mm-hmm. for most people because you have to, mm-hmm. to, to, in a way, tell your doctor that you, you have to send us on, and usually it's the head of the whole hospital who has to sign the papers and stuff like that. So it's still a little bit. And they're also working about us being able to go inside the European Union to different yeah. to other countries, which is which is it's a really big thing, and, and if it's going to work, it's going to be perfect because right, then we right, get right. get a hold of much more specialists because it's a big community. Right. But right. But 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 for for most parents that we meet, that's not the case. It's it's they get stuck in their hospital. Sometimes they get to the next community who has a better specialist, but not to the best in Sweden, which is a very small country with only nine million people. So. Do you get a so lot you, of people calling oh, you? Do you get a lot of? Are you helping a lot of people in Sweden that find themselves in the, you know, with in, with children with rare, you know, with undiagnosed illnesses? Are are you a force there in Sweden? Well, we're trying to be as much as we can, and and, and there's mm-hmm. unfortunately not many others than we that that do it. Mm-hmm. As I as I said earlier, the the rare disease program. There is there is a, a legislation in the European Union that every country has to have a national plan for rare diseases. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah, wow. and which is a good thing. And, and the problem yeah. is so the only problem is that it takes these countries years to 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 just formulate the plan. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. Sweden is we've been to meetings in Sweden trying to influence the forming of the Swedish plan. And, and how are you main, well, pretty good, but it's, our 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 big problem is that undiagnosed brain diseases aren't a rare disease because you don't have a diagnosis. Correct, correct. 
correct. Mm. Yes. Right. So, right. so we usually try to 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 influence them to realize that this is a group that should be counted into the rare diseases. To to go on this wagon for rare diseases, uh, and 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 that's that that's one of the struggles at home. So. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question. You said you came to the states and you went to Johns Hopkins, and that's actually. Harvey and I didn't meet there, but we probably formed our, our collegial relationship there on a consult. And so I'm just wondering, did the U.S. offer you anything that you weren't offered in Sweden, or was it the same? No, I, I mean, we, we went to see uh, uh, Dr. Hugo Moser, who is a special, or was a specialist on ALD, mm-hmm. and and he they actually took us in for a week, and they let us stay for another week because they thought they saw they saw something, and actually mostly because they didn't find anything. And uh, but they, there was a definitely a, a higher level of specialist than, than there is anywhere in Sweden. So it, for us, it was a it was great to come here. Mm-hmm. Do you mind me asking what year was that? What year was that? Let me see. Like recently, or ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Yeah, Wilhelm so we'll, 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 we'll died in '99, so we've been going at it for a while. You've been going at it a long time. Wow! Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I- so, it, so the genetic testing that's available in Sweden, that's available. I mean, do y'all have whole exome sequencing there? I mean, what 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 could you still run? I mean, do you still have samples? You know, kind of. I know that Ellen said she was kind of done, but I just, I guess, for our audience here, I guess it'd be good to know what's available in other places. Yeah, as we, our children's samples are with one one of the best professors in Sweden, and they actually have redone the sampling a couple of times when new methods arrived just to see if awesome. we can solve this okay. solve this case. I, I cannot, you know, say if 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 their level of expertise compares to your in the US mm-hmm. uh, but I I would Sweden is at least in the Europe in the European community Sweden is uh, pretty well what do you say well regarded as as Absolutely. very not 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 in different yes. areas and some of our specialists mm-hmm. could even be the best in the world so some people maybe Absolutely. should go to Sweden you know but but I think the, the big thing for us and, and was already with the children was that since our disease, so this group of diseases, especially with our children, it, back then the, there was such a small community in Sweden. We were only nine million people, so there's no chance that the doctors would have seen this before. So we right. said we, we have to go where there are more patients and more chance for the doctors to have seen anything like this before. Right. So is it, right. So. Is there, I mean, have you met people, parents, or who have had children with similar symptoms as your children? Um, yeah, that's one thing with undiagnosed brain diseases, that many of the symptoms are, are general, and, and, and many of these children have them, but mm-hmm. they don't lead, they, they're so general that they don't lead you to, to any diagnosis. And during the time our children were alive, Helene got from different professors in Sweden. She got uh, abstracts from other professors around the whole world. It was about five or six hundred pages with abstracts, and it was maybe five or six abstracts on each page. And she read through them all to see if there was any match with the symptoms that our children had. But uh-huh. it was, you know, it's just on the wrong level because when when the brain starts deteriorating or before the signs you they're very difficult to find those small signs that that could lead somewhere so right they don't know yeah. where to begin almost when when they go to do the testing it seems sometimes. exactly and and as i said said before and as mary elizabeth said too that since you do so many tests and and none of them actually show anything right right then 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 Everybody's sort of just, you know, looking in the dark and don't know where to to turn to. So, it's we know. I mean, the professor we had for our children, he was one of them, 
professors who almost discovered Rett syndrome. He oh, wasn't him. Yes. Well, and I'm he, a big yeah. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> him because he was you know a week late or something. Doctor yeah, Rett was no. before. <laughs> yeah, but 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 still, there you had a sign about these girls doing this thing with their hands and, and yes, there was there was a little sign. But the other the children we meet, they have. They have some of the symptoms that our kids have, and they have other symptoms, but they're the big symptoms and nothing to go on, really. Right, right. Wow, I mean, it's so... I, I, I'm so grateful that you did, agreed to come on the show. This is such incredible information, and I can't believe we, we're almost over here, but I just want to say that I can't imagine what you went through and that now you're doing this, you're helping other people, as Mary Elizabeth said. It's so inspiring, um, how can people uh, contact you in Europe uh, or the information? You have a website or yeah, how? we we have we have Foundation dot org. Mhm. And there we have all our contact info uh, and our well story and mission in English, and then we have a Swedish website, of course. But and Harry, uh, I'll link it to our site tonight so they can oh. find it if. if they're having Thanks. difficulty, but it's the Wilhelm Foundation. They're easy to find, but we'll link it to you our hope tonight. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Right. It's already think... linked. We're just going to relink cause, because we're partners, but we'll just make yeah. it really easy for people to find. And, make I'm sorry I couldn't meet you all up there. It's just a crazy time here in Texas with Hari coming down next weekend. But yeah, you know, we just, heard. Yeah, we understand that. It uh, me uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty far from Texas to here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it is, and, and not that I didn't want to come, but you know what? I'm coming to Sweden. Yeah, you're welcome. It's much colder. <laughs> I think it sounds awesome. Thank you so much. I hope Ellen feels better, and I just appreciate this. Just and I, and I hate saying this for Hari, but I'm like, this is what your hope is about. You know, we've got to do this in partnership. We've got to do it with Healthcare Whisperer. We've got to do it with the Wilhelm Foundation. We've got to do it with everybody. We're on this mission to help everybody who's undiagnosed yeah. and but, but, or has a rare disorder. And we can't do it alone. Right. So thank I, you I'm so t- much. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, best to your wife. I hope she feels better. And uh Thank you for the courage that you've shown us all tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting us be on. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Mary Elizabeth? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, good. Well, we have a few more minutes. Thank you for arranging that because that was phenomenal. I I wish I had another two hours, honestly. Because well, you know, we can bring them back on. It's just the international thing. And I, I am just so devastated when they told me they were coming to the States it was about the time of everything that was going on here, and it just, I wanted to go, but, you know, I'm one person, and, uh, but they are a great organization, and one of the things that I hope the listeners hear is please partner with other people. Please don't think your mission is so important that you can't do it, you know, well, that you can do it all alone. You need to have partners. And you are our hope would not be where we are today without you, Hari, and all the other groups that support us. And I, I think that's what a lot of nonprofits do. It's that they think they can do it by themselves. And right. you know, as soon as I met Ellen online and then Mick, I knew that we could work together. I right. knew we could. Right. And I just think that that is so important. So I, I'm sure you have some parting words and you know just let mm-hmm. people know you're going to be here next week, and we would love to have them out there at the um, the forum you're doing, and we still have some scholarships available. Oh, good, yeah. So go to You Are Hope and uh, go to the event page and see what you can do to come to the uh, to the conference. And thank you all so much, Mary Elizabeth. Um, I think we're going to have to do another uh, healthcare law. I think that's not going away. So uh, we'll yeah, be no, talking again. Thank you for answering the questions that our families have been asking. I really appreciate that. Well, I hope I hope I hope it helped. <laughs> I don't know, but we'll see. And they can always call me, and uh, I can help them out. So uh, okay. thanks so much. I'll see you soon. And I'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, everyone, what an amazing show tonight. I just want to thank you all for listening. Uh, We had 
I'm 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 very inspired by both my guests tonight, Mary Elizabeth, who has uh, both our guests, uh, uh, Kit and uh, I mean Mick, and uh, both uh, Mary Elizabeth dedicated their lives to this journey, and are always tangling with the healthcare system. So. Uh, feel free to uh, email me at uh, heal, H-E-A-L, at healthcarewhisperer.com. And I wish you all a good night and good luck on the health exchanges. If you need any advice, give me a call. Uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>